0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday, September 18th, the year 2017, under 72 cloudy, humid skies. We welcome you inside on this Monday after the BMW Championship won by... Mr. Mark Leishman, and to talk about everything in the world of golf, we welcome in not Mr. Mark Leishman, but Mr. Sean Fairholm from Global Golf Post, and a proud PGA professional. Hello, sir. How's it going, Jeremy? I'm down here in
1: South Florida, and we made it through Hurricane Irma, and we're ready for the, uh, the Tour Championship.
0: Now, it's astounding to me. Uh, it's what Irma did to the Keys is mind boggling, and. We talk in weather about um, bounces and, and 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 jerks back and forth, and the damage they got would have been different if it came in by Miami. The damage you got would have been different if it came in, you know, from Miami. It's it's luck basically, and um, you guys as a whole are very lucky to only have the the tree damage and some flooding that you did.
1: It could have been worse. For, for everyone. I know TPC Sawgrass lost uh, some 200 trees, and some of the golf courses down here got some damage, but uh, we, we went under uh, Hurricane Wilma in 2006, and that was much worse for us than, than this time around, so we dodged a major bullet.
0: Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, as you look at the landscape of golf, Um, And and golf and storms have nothing in common, and I don't wish to conflate the two. But Mark Leishman, right, he, he blows it in Boston two weeks ago, shoots 40 on the back nine, comes back, bounces back, gets a dominating victory. Here's a guy who, you know, just over a year ago thought he was about to lose his wife and had to stay by to his wife. And Johnny Vegas contended earlier in the playoffs... When his family was being hit by Harvey, sometimes this is what it takes to relax a golfer. You realize that back nine forties aren't that big in the grand scheme of things.
1: Yeah, sometimes you take me that adversity to kind of settle you down. And uh, you, Mark has talked a lot about about uh, uh, perseverance in, in the game and, and realizing that you know, hey, he uh, he hit a marshal on uh, during the, tr- the tournament last week, and he realized, uh, oh wow, you know. That's, at someone's life that I just went and hit somebody with a golf ball, and he was able to separate the tournament from that person being hit. And it's those kind of moments that uh, that make him a really good guy and and a great golfer. And uh, it's a it's a great story to see him win twice this year and to see what he what he's been able to
0: accomplish. Have you ever hit somebody?
1: I haven't. Uh, that's one thing I have not done. I haven't been hit or hit somebody. What about you?
0: I've um, on non-short game shots. I've had a couple chips that like run through the green, you know, and like hit your foot when you're not looking and stuff like that. But I don't believe I've ever hit somebody or been hit. I have almost been hit. My dad has hit somebody, and and he couldn't continue. He just it got him so riled he could not continue um, with that round. So it, it can be really jarring. I think. Sometimes, as, as fans, we forget that that can really rattle somebody. Um, even if they tell you they're okay, even if they give you the thumbs up, it can be really jarring.
1: Yeah, one of the best things I thought over the weekend was uh, no laying up tweet about Robert Stroud. Yeah, he obviously doesn't play with the gloves, but he brings gloves in his bag to, to, to sign them in case he hits somebody. Um, obviously, it's never a good situation when you hit somebody, but... Uh, the, you know, the players usually do a very nice job with being able to take care of the person and, and show their sincere apologies. And uh, yeah, it's very tough to kind of regroup from that. But I think a lot of players have have been able to uh, to get used to it and be able to uh, stay professional throughout the entire thing.
0: All right. So I have been saying um, yesterday ended a streak, and and I'm not trying to bash Mark Leishman, okay? But yesterday ended a FedEx Cup playoff streak of 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 players that most that 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 every golf fan agrees is a star: Jason Day, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas. That's an insane streak of of. Of FedEx Cup playoff wins by guys who are superstars, high echelon guys, um, and even though Patrick Reed hasn't won a FedEx Cup, uh, um, sorry, hasn't won a FedEx Cup or a major yet, he's Captain America. Everybody agrees he's a star in this game. So I knew we were due for somebody like him or a Charlie Hoffman or someone to win. But as Jimmy Roberts's piece pointed out yesterday, I think we forget. How good Mark Leishman is, and how good he's been specifically in the last two years. He's held the lead at the uh, 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 sorry, he's held the lead at the Masters twice over the years. Um, he won Bay Hill this year. He's two and zero in President's Cup singles. Um, he's a really solid player who finally got it done on Sunday in a big playoff event, and I, I give him credit. The lead got down to two yesterday. He birdied fifteen and sixteen, both with nice putts. And got it done. I think we forget
1: that he was the rookie of the year
0: in 2009. That too? The the talent has always been there for for Lee Schmidt. Really, you see him develop into what I call a stat nerd's dream. Because he really doesn't do anything poorly. Uh, For every
1: stat the PGA Tour keeps, you know, you there like in the 75th percentile or higher. It's kind of remarkable. And his ball striking, his putting... Is scrambling everything across the board is is pretty good, and, and when your game is like that, you can win on any venue. You can go to Harbour Town and can see. You can go to a big ballpark like uh, Doral. I know we don't we don't play at Doral anymore, unfortunately. But he can play both ways. He can play uh, whatever style of golf you ask of him because he's just so good. Uh, you know, he he drives it long enough. He uh, is a great uh, ball striker. He's a great uh, putter. You know, if you're able to do that, like like he
0: is, it's. Uh, it's pretty impressive. It's not a quality that every player has, and it also makes the game uh, fairly easy when you know where you're hitting it. Ask um, ask various guys who, don't, who who don't reliably know where they're hitting it how the game is because it's a whole it's a whole different experience where you're uh, when you don't quite know where your ball's going. Um, what's your thought? on player of the year, right? Because we came into this thinking the player of the year was basically between three people. Um, Jordan Spieth, four wins and a major. Justin Thomas, at the time, four wins and a major. And Dustin Johnson, who because of his stout start of the year, if he had run the table or done something crazy in the FedEx Cup, could possibly still win player of the year. Dustin wins the first event, but I still think he would have to run the the table to win player of the year, and he hasn't done that since. It got further ruined by Justin Thomas w- winning in Boston, and now his fifth win of the year, which leaves us now with Mr. Spieth, um, who would now need to go, and Spieth only has, th- th- wait, is it three wins for Spieth this year or four? It's now, it's now three, right? It's, three it's, wins for Spieth, yeah. Yeah, Pebble, Hartford, and the Open. Sorry. The open. Yeah, so three wins for Spieth. Um, so JT clearly has the upper hand here. If um, if Jordan, who's now the one seed going into East Lake, wins there and wins the FedEx Cup as as, as a result, and I th- and, and in my personal opinion, he he um, he would have to win the event. I don't think. He gets player of the year if he wins it back during the FedEx Cup. Can Spieth win player of the year in your eyes? Uh, it's possible. It's very possible. I think what Justin Thomas has done, not just the five wins, of course the major, but you know he shot 63 at the U.S. Open.
1: He shot 59 at the Sony, this, the Sony Open. Uh, just the way that he has taken the PGA Tour by storm, and uh, the way that he has played the game makes him player of the year to me. Uh, not to down what Jordan has done this year, but you know he, he won uh, Pebble, which is a middle tier event. He won the Travelers, which is a, a middle tier event, and then obviously we did the Open, was incredible. But uh, you know Justin has has won some really awesome golf tournaments this year, and the the way that he has done the fashion, he has done it. I think he, he's my player of the year, regardless of what of what happens this year, this uh, this week. But hey, if Jordan goes out and wins by 10, uh, I wouldn't begrudge anyone for, for picking him for player
0: of the year. Um, where do you fall? It, it It's interesting, right? Because we've all known Justin Thomas has promised. Anybody, you know, the diehard golf fans who follow golf, who, who f- uh, follow the amateur world, especially since um, college golf has gotten the boost it's gotten from Golf Channel, Um, or knows the golden child, friend of the golden child, Jordan Spieth's good buddy, blah, blah, blah. I promise I will not make that the focus of this podcast Um, story. Knows that Justin Thomas was was legitimate, and, and it was just a matter of time. He gets the win two years ago at CIMB. He backs it up again, and then just explodes in January this year. In my book Sean I knew this was coming and I knew that that uh, that the time would come when Justin Thomas would show it. Are you shocked that it's all happened in this season in the way it's happened? Um a, a little bit. Uh, I am I am surprised
1: he has five wins. I, I don't I didn't think that he was going to put it all together um and, and be player of the year. I thought that he'd probably win a couple of times and be successful, but you know, for me the, the major thing Justin has done that is remarkable to me is that he's gone from being a bottom quarter uh, putter on the PGA Tour you know, ranked I believe somewhere around 170 last year um, one of the the, the worst putters on the PGA Tour to the the upper third of the PGA Tour in putting and he's a streaky player you know, um, after he uh, you know, had that disappointing U.S. Open uh, uh, 75 on Sunday. He, he missed three cuts in a row and was, you know, combined 22 over in those three events and played horrible golf. Then what did he do after that? He went out and won the, the PGA Championship. He's a streaky player. He plays with a lot of emotion. But the, the the change that he's made in his putting and the consistency that he's found in that part of his game has really allowed him to be able to do that without that Change and without that improvement in his putting, I don't think he would be able to uh, put together the year that he has. It's it's pretty
0: impressive. Um, and confidence helps, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it, sure does. it sure does.
1: Absolutely.
0: Confidence, um, confidence, sure helps your putting. Um, to me, this was a, a a weird season on the PGA Tour, and the ratings showed it. We had a bunch of lopsided wins. We had a bunch of. Not the stars winning, and then suddenly, somewhere after Sergio's win at Augusta, this season took a turn, and and for me, I think for a lot of fans, it was Jordan's whole lot of travelers. I think for us who watch it every week, it was somewhere in Texas, the Chapel win, Kevin Kisner's win, um, you know, some things happen, and then the second half of the season it's just been everything you've ever wanted, basically. Um, But what was your take after what Jordan did at the Open? Because in my money, I don't think... That's one of those bounce backs that I don't think we'll ever see again. It was really remarkable. The in-round confidence adjustment, right? You and I have played golf for a long time. It's really tough when you're mentally playing bad to get your brain right. Um... He got his brain right after hitting one of the worst tee shots in a major you could ever ask for and having to take a drop on the freaking driving range and having the mental um, clearness in that moment to ask if it was in balance or not. It's
1: pretty incredible. To, to me, I don't know if you agree with this, but... The best shot of the year, in my opinion, was the six iron that Jordan hit off of the 14th tee after he had made that incredible bogey. I think that after he hit that shot, I just knew in my heart he was going to win that golf tournament. I think that takes a special person. I mean, that's not really a physical gift to be able to do that. Well, it is in one sense, but it is more of a mental gift to be able to block out what you, what you just went through. I mean, he took a half an hour to play the hole before he steps up there. Kuchar had a pretty nice shot in there ahead of him, and then he steps up with that six iron and, and, and puts it to a couple of feet. I mean, uh, that is the shot of the year, in, in my opinion. The the moment that he did that in is, uh, is is remarkable. and I mean, what can you say about Jordan? He's just uh, he's well ahead of, of his years, and he always has been.
0: See, that's not for me the shot of the year the 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 shot of the year um well first of all shot of the year under the classic thing is probably the bunker shot at travelers but in this context for me it's the bogey putt because i think if you make seven there your mind is or, or it was a par five right uh it was part, yeah, that was a, a bogey putt for five there. So you had, if you would have missed that putt, yeah, yeah. You would have been two back at that point. Yeah, exactly. For me, it's the bogey putt for five. I think if he makes six there, this is a whole different ball game. I think, and we both had those, those key par putts that keep your round going, and those key bogey putts that keep your round going. For me, that was one of them. I think he steps up to 14 thinking way differently. Think about what Michael said to him walking off about the guys in Cabo. You can say that speech after you've made a five. I don't know if you can say that speech after you've made double. Um, The shot of the year is a shot that I don't believe was ever shown on American television, which was the drop. Um, The the drop in the equipment trailers. (laughs) Because that set up everything else. But, um, but that bogey putt I think changes everything because then, then you know, he, 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 yes he makes the birdie on fourteen, but I think that just all that momentum started on thirteen goes to fourteen. He drains the eagle on fifteen, which um, had shades of of, of the putty gave Stenson on number eleven and at, at Eastlake in fifteen. All that, just that whole momentum just went to his side, and, and that to me is the shot that won it. It's interesting because we saw majors this year win in very different ways. We saw Sergio and Justin um, battle it out. Justin having a, uh, sorry, Sergio having a lead, squandering it, Rose having a lead and letting Sergio come back on it when Sergio somehow mentally rebounded and then made a clutch putt. Brooks Kepka overpowered on Sunday and on a, and, and, Justin Thomas kind of lurked and then had a putt fall in and then made a chip in when he had to and then broke out of the five-way pack and and stomped on everybody else down the stretch. We saw Majors won in 4 very different ways this year, which is actually fascinating when you look back on it.
1: It is. Yeah, I think the most exciting Major of the year to me is, is definitely the Open Championship and just that, that battle between Kuchar and Speed was... Uh, was, was really incredible. It was, it was a great tournament, but like you said, I mean, the PGA was very much a, a, a tight race, really until that uh, that, that chip-in on number 13 for Justin, and then um, you got that really uh, nice play on 17 that kind of cemented it, that that incredible birdie that he made there, so yeah, we, we really saw majors kind of <laughs> come down in all, all sorts of, uh, of ways, but hey, three Americans winning majors this year, and, and uh, the, the American game right now is in a uh,
0: really good game you know this just occurred to me Sean 13 at Augusta Sergio gets the bounce 13 at the Open Jordan does his thing 13 at, at Quail Hollow Justin does his thing something,
1: 13 a, a lucky number this year something
0: about 13 let's um, move on to the Evian championship which happened this past weekend uh, first of all 54 whole majors I have a feeling you're not a fan
1: no, not at all. Yeah, our, our Steve Eubanks at Global Golf Post wrote about this, and I totally agree with them. Uh, they should have just tried to do everything possible to make that a 72-hole event. Whether you have to play on Tuesday or not, I, I don't care. I mean, you, you have to play 72 holes to uh, make that a, a legitimate event. And um, When I saw that Ana Norquist won that event, it, it didn't feel like she won a major championship, which is unfortunate for her, and uh, you know, it was their second major championship and an important tournament for her, but it just did not feel, did not have that same that same uh, attention that, that I think it really should have because of because of the decision
0: the LPGA made. And then to finish in that playoff I'm not sure if you saw it yesterday, but to finish in the playoff, in the rain having to squeegee the green it was just not what you want.
1: It wasn't pretty in the Coming down the stretch. It's cold. It was a little ugly on all
0: sides. Yeah, I think that's... It's interesting. The bookends of the LPGA's major this year between the mm-hmm. Lexi fiasco, um, which, by the way, can we just say the season Lexi has had, here she is, she's on the precipice of winning a huge event, right? Has a bizarre rules issue happen. Cries, cries her way to the finish. Gets one of those goosebump-evoking chants coming up eighteen that I think left everyone speechless. Loses ultimately, but 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 shows great class. Almost wins shortly after, then wins for good, and then has a heck of a year, including a heck of a a, a Solheim Cup singles comeback.
1: Absolutely, and a, and a win in Indy recently yeah. as well. It's
0: Dominating on Sunday against Lydia. Yeah, no,
1: it's been it's been a really strong year for.
0: It has. But,
1: yeah.
0: um, I'm talking with Sean Fairholm here from uh, Global Golf Post. Are you excited for the President's Cup?
1: I am. I am. I know not a lot of people get up for this event, and it's not obviously not really in the same sentence as the Ryder Cup, but I think the venue, um, I'm not a huge fan of the, the golf course personally, but I, I think just the venue, the location of it, kind of adds a little bit of, of fire to the event, and... I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll it'll be maybe a little better than it, than you know it, it has been in in, in recent years. And uh, we, have, we have some good players on on both sides here. It should be should be good
0: competition. Where do you fall on the whole? Does the internationals need to win for this to continue? Because if if you think about it, and I forget if you were up with us and the rest of golf Twitter two years ago in, in South Korea on that Saturday night, but that was incredible theater. I mean, the U.S. Was, was, you know, it came down to the end, and if it wasn't for Chris Kirk doing his thing, Anurban Lahiri missing a short putt, and ultimately Bill Haas winning for his son, um, you know, that goes the other way, and the internationals finally have a win. Where do you fall on the, necessa- uh, on, on, the on the urgency for the internationals to win this year?
1: The Ryder Cup great, or any rivalry in sports, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, or or whatever you want to call it, is really that that edge to it. And what makes the Ryder Cup a spectacle is the fact that you do have uh, Patrick Reed shushing more Rory McIlroy and uh, going back and forth, and there is that kind of edge to it. I don't necessarily think the international team has to win. I think there has to be an attitude in it that, you know, it's not, just a friendly exhibition. That's, that's what I think most people think of the President's Cup, it's a friendly exhibition. It needs to have a little more of a, of a bite to it. You know, there, there has to be a figure on the international side that, that stands out and really has a, a, an emotional connection to this event. Because, you know, the Europeans, Sebi had a very deep emotional connection to the Ryder Cup, and he you know, he did not like losing at all and, you know, there, there were a lot of different uh, arguments he had with Paul Azinger through, throughout the years that kind of built the uh, the fire that the Europeans bring to the Ryder Cup and there's just not that um, in the President's Cup and, I mean, whether the international team wins or not it, it really, it just lacks that, that bite to it and I think uh, until we really see that, we're not going to be able to, to really fully embrace this the way that we do, so some of the other events like the Solheim Cup and Ryder Cup and, and even, even the Walker Cup uh, is ahead is of this for
0: me. Yeah, talking to Sean Fairholme. Um, and, and by the way, speaking of, of the Walker Cup, how good was that? How good did LACC North look, by the way, first of all? And second of all, the U.S. amateur pipeline is, is, is incredible because the level of play from the U.S. in that event was stout.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Um, I know that Kiki and I did not play well on that event, but do not discount the level of talent that they have on their side with, with Connor Syme and, uh, and Paul McBride and Harry Ellis, and they, they their team was loaded. And I think Craig Watson, their captain, having to leave a week before, I don't think that they were fully engaged in, in the Walker Cup, and I think they were, they were a little bit... Their minds weren't quite right uh, as, as, they, as they could have been, but um, like you said, LACC is going to be hosting the 2023 U.S. Open, and uh, it looked very much
0: the part, didn't it? It looked like a U.S. Open court, but it looks like it's ready to start play right now. And, and speaking of um, strong play, let's also take a moment and mention um, the fact that the end of the U.S. Amateur. Riviera, I mean, to to do what Doc Redman did at, 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 at Riviera down the stretch um, was just truly remarkable. That's not an easy golf course to go on the run that he did. No, it's a very difficult
1: golf course. And you feel for Doug Ginn after what happened. You know, he, he's had some heartbreak in the past. And then to to be up like that, you know, two up with two to play, you think that you've won the, uh, the U.S. Amateur um, it's, it's really difficult for him, but yeah, he's a he's a great player. He um, was four zero at the Palmer Cup earlier this summer, and uh, you know he's just continued to, to play to play well, played well at the Walker Cup, and uh, a, a couple of great players. Like you said earlier, the American uh, amateur pipeline right now is just loaded with talent. It's uh, it's, it's, a, it's a strong side right now.
0: Yes, it is. Alright, let's end this as we started, or or, um, or 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 as we get more towards the end of our podcast as we start The PGA to May, the players to March, because um, um, uh, we started this podcast talking about trees down in TPC Sawgrass. Um, are you in favor of this? I am. I am. I think uh, we all know, we've all been talking about this for a long time, that we want golf to end
1: football season and in earnest before football season and you know we're going to have to shrink the back Cup to three events and you know this, this requires you know we, we may see the, uh, the Greenbrier move to the fall or you know who knows what some of the events uh, it already
0: started you know. today it started today that um, announcement uh, it, uh, oh sorry go ahead uh, so yeah I mean uh
1: we see the, the players moving to March, I think the players is a, is a better golf tournament in March.
0: Yeah, I'm it's with a you. a little more wind, it's a little lusher.
1: and uh, I think 17 becomes a little little more interesting there with some of the, the breezes and the swirling winds that the players get, they get those more in March as opposed to May, and then, uh, yeah, the PGA, you know, the PGA, I'm a PGA professional, and I think this is a great spot for the PGA Championship to be, and being the second major of the year, and um, you know, that it opens up a part of the country that they have not really been able to use for a long time. Um, I'm hopeful for a, a PGA championship in Florida, perhaps, and, uh, you know, Arizona and, and Texas and different parts of the country that we uh, have seen PGA championships played in. So, you know, there's definitely a good opportunity there. And, yeah, I think we're, we're headed towards a, a, good, a good schedule here. One disappointment I do have, most people will not have... Um, much consideration for this, but the PGA Professional Championship, which um, the top 20 in that tournament are, you know, the club professionals go and advance and play the into the PGA Championship, now has to be contested in April, which, uh, as ever, everyone who plays golf knows around the country, uh, there are only certain places you can play golf in, in the middle of April, so the, the venues for that tournament will be severely limited, which is a little bit unfortunate, but...
0: Uh, you know, it's one of the one of the small sacrifices that this whole schedule uh, change is going to have to make. Yeah. Um, by the way, we uh, two things. We got the first piece of, of contraction today because the Quicken Loans National Tigers event um, severed their contract with a, a, a congressional, which was set to host the event in uh, in uh, twenty eighteen. They have no sponsor. Um, they need two events to move. Sorry. Uh, Sorry, two events to either go away or move to the fall. That's the contraction portion. It is believed Boston will be the other one. Um, That plus the off week gets you down to three events. And then they need, I think it's four other events are going to need a move because of other shifts they need to make. Because the, 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 the PGA is not going into the player's current slot. It's going into the slot that's being held by Colonial. So those things need a shift. I've read, I I believe it was Rex Hoggard kind of laid this out, that it is believed that Mexico will move um, back to the end of the West Coast swing, which makes sense, and, and just everything kind of accordion out from there. And when you start slotting these things, Greenbrier continues to be the name that gets brought up for a movement out of the regular part of the season to the fall Um, but this is a very important part and as you know covering golf the PGA Tour hates to lose events they're always looking to add events they've added an event in South Korea but the best way to lose an event is by a sponsor not renewing and not being able to find one (laughs) I think and and not that this is a laughing matter but it's a lot easier to say we couldn't do anything about it and oh by the way we're changing the structure of our season so that event will just not be replaced in that place than to lose an event because you forced an event to move and the sponsor said no. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, two, two notes on that. Yeah. I P Durrell, um,
1: I'm a South Floridian and that was my hometown tournament growing up and yeah. we, uh, we dearly miss it and uh, it, the, the schedule change doesn't really bode well for a tournament coming back to Miami either from, you know, whether it be Mexico or wherever it may be um, and, and we lost it because of, of uh, you know not being able to, to buy a sponsor and and you know that, that's, that's a rough aspect of it and, but, the, but the other side of the coin is I'm um, Canadian as well and the Canadian open is basically being held on right now by RBC
0: which yeah
1: uh, is a, a main a title sponsor for two PGA Tour and the one in Hilton head and the Canadian open um, without that, the Canadian Open would be in a lot of trouble because they have not done well recently, and um, uh, so yeah, it, it goes both ways with the, with the sponsors. But you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, it's a business. You got to make money.
0: And by the way, if you're looking for more on the Canadian Open, I, I highly recommend Global Golf Post podcast about that exact subject. There's a very interesting listen with um, help me on here, Robert Johnson, I believe his name was. Yes, Thompson, sorry.
1: A great writer for the uh, for the Globe and Mail up in up in Toronto, and uh, nobody knows Canadian golf more than Robert. It was
0: a very interesting and informative listen. Highly recommend it. Um, and that event, as you guys talk about in the podcast, is being held on by RBC, and also the names that RBC has that show up in mass to uh, to both their events. And as those people age out of PGA Tour contention, it creates a whole litany of other issues. The ironic part is that the Canadian Open has had some great finishes. It is not an event that has lacked for good play. It's just lacked a sponsor issue, except for RBC really holding on um, to it. Um, So yeah, we will see how all this shakes out as time goes on. All right, last thing we're going to talk about with Sean Fairholm from Global Golf Post, and that is um, caddies. We've now had three players can their caddies, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, and um, Phil Mickelson. You as a teacher, all golf teachers are used to being fired, whether it's by the average consumer or or if you teach professionals um, by um, by pros. And as a result of that, you need good... Teacher-student camaraderie, good chemistry, and a um, notion that there is a a reason for the for the student or the player to continue with their teacher. So, with that in mind, are you surprised we've seen these three very high-profile relationships break up in 2017?
1: Not particularly. I think the Rory JP one—that was the one that I had marked as being, you know, doomed from from you know, really the the start of 2017, I think that one was was kind of set up to fail. Um, I'm a little bit surprised with um, the Phil and Bones one was was flooring for me. I I didn't see that one coming and uh, the Jason Day-Collins one I I didn't really see coming as well but you know what, I think all three of these guys have been pressing for a while. Phil hasn't won the since the Open Championship in 2013 and Rory has kind of soft-stalled in the past few years and hasn't won a major since the 2014 PGA, and, you know, Jason Day's been a little bit off in 2017, I know he's had these three top 10s in the past four events, and he's kind of uh, you know redeemed himself a little bit, but, you know what, as a player, the caddy is really there a lot of times to soak up your frustration, and, you know, all three of these guys are, are close family friends with, with their caddies, you know, they, they go out to dinner with each other, you know, we know the relationship that Jason Day and Colin Swan have, um, we, we know that these guys are very, very close off of the golf course, and that's a tough job for someone close in your life to be there to take all of this frustration on when you're not playing well, it's like, you know, a football coach with a talented team that should be successful on paper, but... They aren't putting together. They're not winning, and now frustration is setting in, and everyone's starting to press, and there's there's, there's a frustration that comes with that. And I think Rory and, and Jason, they really kind of took that out on the golf course on JP and, and on Colin swan and I think they just put a strain on the on the on the relationship that they didn't really want. And um, I think you're going to see this more throughout the throughout the future. You know, I don't think Justin Thomas will have Jimmy Johnson on his back forever. I don't think John Rahm will have Adam Hayes on his back forever. I think when you have emotional players who get frustrated easily, you know, this won't happen. But say Justin Thomas goes the next two years and lays an egg and doesn't win any events, There's a frustration that sets in there. And, you know, like anything else in life, when you're not doing well, you want to make a change. And, you know, I think it's as simple as that in my mind.
0: We shall see how this all shakes out. Um, the The Phil and Bones one I thought might last longer because of the 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 personal connection. Jason Day, I've never, and I and I, and I don't mean this in a, in a in a negative way. Jason Day for me, I believe, doesn't tell us everything that's going on. He seems like a guy that one day will spill the beans and one day is very closed up. and There's got to be something else to the story, even though he denies it. He just... He's had a weird year because of his mom. He's been hurt. But there's something amiss here in in the Jason Day one. Rory and JP... um, All right, let me back up. Phil and Bones, Phil's weird in that. I thought they'd either stay together for life or break up. I didn't think that one would part with the other, like, you know, just just because he went on the Champions Tour. You know, I thought that that would either stay lovey-dovey forever or break up harshly. It's actually happened calmer than I thought, which has been weird. Uh, day I covered, and, and and Rory, I'm surprised Rory did it when he did, just because 2017 has been lost because of his injury. I'm surprised he's been playing as much as he has instead of just resting it. Um, But that I think has been long simmering, including some stuff that's probably not in the public view. So that's how I take it. But um, it's interesting. It's certainly interesting why these breakups keep happening the way that they do. You
1: know, it's funny on the LPGA. You
0: know, players go through (laughs) tests in a short period of time. It's you know, it's,
1: it's almost. Joke! How many caddies? Uh, some of these players have Lydia Ko has gone through how many caddies, and she's only, you know, not not even old enough to drink. So
0: Lydia Ko <laughs> concerns mean, me. This will be a topic players, for our. Uh,
1: they, they go through a million caddies, and that's the uh, that that's what they, what they do. You know, they they don't have success with one, or they don't feel comfortable. They they make a change.
0: This is something we'll talk about on a future podcast. The overthinking of the young players out there. Lydia Ko, for me, broke something that was... Sorry, tried to fix something that was not broke. And I, I believe it may have permanently hurt her career. That's how bad a mistake I think she's made over the last 12 months. I worry about these guys that tinker too much. I was very concerned about Jordan in his offseason comments about getting stronger to hit it farther. Um, clearly, he's okay. Um, <laughs> but... But I am concerned about these people overthinking, and that'll be a topic for a future podcast, which is a nice way to tease the fact that Sean Fairholme will be back on this podcast in the future. Sir, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Look forward to a future podcast. That's Sean Fairholme from Global Golf Post. Enjoy the Tour Championship. We'll talk to you on Sunday for the sprint, and have a great night, everybody.